praise you. We magnify you, Lord. Come on, he inhabits the praises of his people. God, we've come with a mindset to hear your word, God. We've come, God, to hear what you have on your heart. Have your way in this place. Have your way in this place. I apologize. I know uh, this is not who you thought was going to be here this afternoon. Um, Brother Prado is unfortunately very sick. He's got an infection. And uh, we're going to take that before the Lord. If there's anybody that's got a special unspoken need in your body and your life, why don't we lift it unto the Lord, the healer. Come on, let's call on that name, the name of Jesus. God, we know that you are who you are every day, yesterday, today, and forever. God, if you were a healer back then, you're a healer now. God, we praise you for what you're going to do. God, we thank you for touching Brother Prado. God, touch his body right now. God, we command the infection to flee. In the name of Jesus, God, you see every need that is represented in the house by the uplifting of our hands. God, we're praying your will be done. God, your will be done. Your will be done. In Jesus' wonderful name. And also the hoods send their love and their regard. They wish they were here, um, but they are ministering. And it's been said before, if nobody else wanted to hear our pastor then, then we wouldn't want to hear him probably. So that is a blessing. God bless you. You're dismissed to your classes at this time. And uh, the rest of us that are going to remain in here, you may be seated. This is not what we're going to teach today, but I felt impressed to start here. Psalm chapter 37, verse number 23. The steps of a good man or a good woman or a good young person are ordered by the Lord. In other words, there are no, unfortunately, there are no multiple choice, A, B, C, and D, when it comes to God ordering our steps. Um, now, we are, we are free moral agents. and We have the ability to ignore the steps that God orders. We can bypass or circumvent the steps that God ordered. There's nothing beautiful about steps. We, we take steps or stairs every day. There's nothing fascinating or fancy about steps. And oftentimes throughout life when God is ordering our steps, we tend to look at it as, God, this isn't bright lights and something that is beautiful. But the Bible said that he delighteth in his way. He goes on to say, I've been young, now I am old, yet have I not seen the righteous or the good man that God orders the steps? He's never been forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And I want to encourage somebody this afternoon that perhaps the Lord is ordering some steps for you that aren't pleasant. Perhaps God is requiring you to take some steps that are painful. Just remember, he's not forgotten where you are. He knows right where you are. He's with you every step of the way, and God will have the final outcome. Deuteronomy chapter 32. This is where we're going to start our lesson this afternoon. Deuteronomy chapter 32, one verse of scripture, verse number 11. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, 
taketh them, beareth them on her wings. Eagles are one of the most amazing creatures that our magnificent God created. Solomon wrote in the book of Proverbs, There be three things which be too wonderful for me, yea, for which I know not. First one that he lists is the way of an eagle in the air. Eagles are among the largest and most powerful birds in the world. Eagles are wise. Eagles have been noted as symbols of strength, bravery, courage, and proud independence. The American bald eagle was adopted as the official bird emblem of the United States of America in 1782. The bald eagle was chosen because of its majestic beauty, great strength, long life, and because it is native to North America. Approximately 30 to 35 inches long from beak to tail, weighing 8 to 13 pounds, the wings of an eagle stretch about 7 feet wide. Eagles can miraculously carry prey weighing as much as they do up to their nest, which are built extremely high. Eagles may live for 50 years or more. Eagles keep the same mates for life. We don't have time to go there, but that will teach in itself. Doth not even nature itself teach us. Eagles build their nest in tops of trees, high mountaintops, or upon high sheer cliffs. They have found and documented some nests that have been built close to 10,000 feet high. Job 39, 27, Doth the eagle mount up at thy command and make her nest on high? She dwelleth and abideth on the rock, upon the crag of the rock, and the strong place. When an eagle builds its nest for the first time, it starts out about three feet wide. Another interesting fact about eagles is that an eagle will use the same nest for its lifetime, which means that an old nest can be as wide as 10 feet across and 20 feet deep and can weigh as much as two tons. The inside of an eagle's nest is just as fascinating to me as the size of the nest. The majority of the nest is made of sticks and twigs that range from 9 to 98 inches long and up to 2 inches in diameter. After the nest has been built with sticks and twigs and logs, mom and daddy eagle starts to look for softer materials to make it comfortable for the baby eaglet. Lots of moss and pine needles are used for padding. Even the eagle will use grass and the fur from animals it has killed and its own feathers to help keep the eaglets warm and comfortable. And in preparing this, I couldn't help but think how parents will do their best to provide the best comfort for their babies at all costs. I begin to think of the extreme care and concern that my wife has had for Carson. There's not one thing that she doesn't think of to make his little life comfortable. 
God has placed that maternal instinct in a mother, and it's a beautiful thing to watch play out. Now, it can also be expensive, Brother Chris. It can be expensive, and that's not that's never beautiful. That's never nice. In fact, last night, little Carson, poor guy, he kept us up literally all night long with a fever and was unconsolable and was he was a wreck but again in the midst of uncomfort mama was trying everything even trying to keep me awake to help but um, to make his little uncomfortable life comfortable you can imagine that if you were a baby eaglet you would never want to leave the comfort of the nest the nest is a place of safety and security mom and daddy provide food and protection so why would anybody want to leave this situation? While this is most definitely what we would call a gravy train, if the baby eaglet stays too long, he will never know what it is to soar at the heights he was created to soar at. If all he ever knows is staying in the comfort of the nest, he will miss out on his very purpose for life. Eagles are not known for sitting in the comfort of a nest. They are known for soaring high into the heavens and riding on the wind. This is what makes them so majestic. At some point, the baby eaglet is forced to leave the nest to fulfill his calling. There comes a day that the mother eagle swoops in and begins, as Genesis tells us, or Deuteronomy tells us, Mama Eagle begins to stir the nest. She begins to pull out the soft lining and begins to pull apart what was once comfort and protection for the eaglet. This forces the eaglet to learn to stand and balance in the nest that has been stirred because now, they no longer can lay down and have protection from the sharp twigs that makes up the nest. So it is here that he must learn to use the small stubby talons that are beginning to grow. And that is what this entire lesson is about. We are all at a place where we are being forced to grow. This is critical in learning for in the future, this is how the eagle will balance himself, and this is how the eagle will catch his prey. Can I stop and say this? Not everything in life that happens is a demonic or spiritual attack. Sometimes it is simply God stirring our nest. Or in other words, it's God causing us to grow in areas where we need to grow. Because he knows, just as Mama Eagle knows, that if we stay in the comfort of where we are, we will never know what it is to fulfill our calling and purpose in life. How many know what it is to be stirred up? It's not comfortable. It's frustrating. There's a lot of unknowns that come with a stirring. If there is a stirring, and when there is a stirring, we can be comforted in the fact that the stirring has come to bring growth. You and I will never become who God wants us to become as long as we stay in the comfort of the nest. 
Job 30, 18. Then I said, I shall die in my nest, and I shall multiply my days as the sand. Brother Job was very comfortable in his nest. He had built it up to what he wanted. He was a happy and content man. But Brother Job, God's going to send you a stirring because God sees some areas in your life that he wants you to grow in. Job 1.8, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? Then a second time, God asked Satan in Job 2.3, Hast thou considered my servant Job? Job was just living his life to the best of his ability, but God allowed Satan to test. Or that word there, tempt, means to test. God did not tempt with sin, but God tempted in a test. Or we could say that God sent or allowed a stirring to come to Job because there was some things that God wanted to complete in Brother Job. Look at your neighbor and say, don't despise the stirring. Come on, say it again. Don't despise the stirring. I've been encouraged in preparing this lesson because I understand with a little bit better perspective now that when things start getting a little crazy and out of my control, I know I can be assured in the fact that God is sending a stirring because there's something inside of me that he sees I need worked on. And he's wanting me to get out of the nest to fulfill my calling. Every apostle that did anything great for God knew what it was to have his nest stirred. Every great man or woman that has ever done anything for God has had their nest stirred. At some point, we are forced to leave the familiar for the unfamiliar. Leave the profane for the sacred. Leave the shallow and reach for the deep. Oftentimes, we can dismiss a stirring that is from God because we are too comfortable and we fail to recognize that it is God and not the enemy. And it didn't come to destroy us, but it came to grow us. When there is a stirring, it is God working on our character. There is and always will be a brokenness that will come with the stirring as we realize that we are nothing without Him. And as we realize that I must decrease, so He must increase. It has been said that character is often manifested in great moments. But Brother Bobo, it's made in the small moments. If your nest is being stirred, I challenge us, embrace the stirring and ask God, God, what are you trying to do in me? God, what do you see in me that I cannot see because I'm so comfortable and I'm so complacent? And God, I don't like to be stirred, but I embrace the stirring because I know it's bringing something that I cannot see. There comes a day in the life of the eaglet that mama returns to the nest and she begins, the Bible says, to flutter her wings over the nest. Remember, Mama Eagle's got a wingspan of seven feet wide. 
and you get to fluttering seven feet wide wings, it's going to cause some damage. It's going to cause a stirring. The small eaglet begins to scream in terror as mama is pushing them toward the edge of the nest. And I forgot to announce my title this morning in teaching. My title is simply, The Child Has Left the Building. We're talking about growing up today. The child has left the building. He is finally pushed from the nest and begins to fall. As he begins to fall, something that he has never felt before takes over. It is the will to live or it is the struggle to survive. We might preach about that struggle this afternoon, but I know that just because I'm struggling doesn't mean that I've failed. I know that just because I'm struggling doesn't mean God's done with me. Just because I'm struggling, I might be out flapping my wings, beating against the air, but God's not done with me. Supposed to teach. The power of flight is within the eaglet, but it is unknown to him. Because Brother Jay, he's never been challenged to face his flight. We can take a moment and teach on that right there. Don't ever run from change. Or don't ever run from the thought of being challenged. For it is in the change. It is in the challenge that you and I find out, Brother Johnson, exactly who we are. Without the struggle, we would never know our strength. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. The eaglet's screams are not that of power just yet, but the scream is of terror and fear and unknown. Out of this fear, out of this stirring, comes the will to live. During the free fall, he flails and beats at the air without success until he is completely exhausted. Eagles don't flail. Eagles don't flap. They might just to take off to get a little push, but they glide, they soar. But that this is unknown to the baby eaglet at this point. Just before falling to his death, Mama swoops down and takes him back on her wings to the nest to repeat this process until the baby eaglet learns to fly. You say, what a horrific process. Why would a mother fly her baby to heights that are so unthinkable only to let the baby drop seemingly to death? But you see, Mama understands that if the baby eaglet is never challenged outside of the nest, the baby eaglet will never know his full potential. Once the eaglet realizes his ability to soar, there is nothing that can stop him from his purpose. Take the struggle away, you take the strength away. And I know that the struggle is so very real. I can see it on some of our faces this morning, but so is our ability to overcome the struggle. Jacob! You're wrestling in the middle of the night. But what you don't know is if you'll hold on, if you'll cause that stir. The word wrestle there, God, I'm on, I'm on my next notes. I'm going to ruin the next lesson. But that word wrestle there means to stir up dust. When he wrestled in the middle of the night, there was a stirring up of the dust by the wrestling match. But Brother Jacob prevailed. And when he prevailed, it wasn't until he prevailed that he had power with God. 
and with man. Once the ego realizes the ability to soar and that he can do something no other bird can do, he can fly at heights that no other bird can fly at. He is not a bird that will fly with the flock. That right there will preach to somebody. You've got a call of God on your life. You're not called to run with just everybody and anybody. God's called you to a place of loneliness and brokenness that only you can be at all by yourself. He will soar the greatest heights alone. This is a little bit different mentality than you hear people say in business, it's lonely at the top. That's an arrogant way of saying I've made it. Baby Eaglet doesn't have that mentality. And God did not create us to have that mentality. But there are moments in our life where loneliness and brokenness will precede the greatest heights of our life. It is in the hours of loneliness that God will do his greatest work and will take us to heights and places we would never know in the crowd. It was in the lonely hours of failure that Peter found God. It was in the lonely midnight hours that Jacob struggled and prevailed. Maybe you're here this afternoon and you're struggling. Brother Bryant, maybe, maybe we haven't got to the place where we prevailed. But guess what? We're still here. The struggle hasn't overtaken us. We're on our way to overtaking the struggle. We're on our way to prevailing over some things, over some generational curses, over some generational spirits. If I'll just hold on a little while longer, I'm going to prevail. Something came to me yesterday, and I'm going to study it out, and hopefully God will let me preach it. Spirits and generational curses are generational, but so are victories. And maybe you're the one that will turn the tide on all those things in your life that have caused broken homes, broken marriages, broken finances. If you prevail, you might just be the key that brings victory over that principality that has held your family in the place that it has been in. It was in the loneliness of the mountain that Moses would get the law in an experience, Brother Jay, that he couldn't share with the crowd. It was in the loneliness of her barrenness that Hannah prevailed. It was in loneliness that Daniel received his greatest vision from God. God uses the schoolhouse of loneliness to teach and to grow his children. I'm going to say that again. God uses the schoolhouse of loneliness to teach and to grow his children. If God is stirring, he is causing growth. When God stirs us up, it's to get us to spend time alone with him. And it is in the loneliness that we find our purpose and calling and direction for our life. I believe this is just my simple, simple way my mind works, but I believe there's three steps to God getting us ready to fulfill our purpose. Number one is separation. Number two is cooperation. And then number three is operation. God will separate us from the noise of the crowd to see if we are willing to cooperate and submit to his plan before he can release us 
to operate in our calling and our destiny. It is time to leave the comfort and complacency of the nest. And I'm not teaching this today from a place of pointing a finger. I'm teaching this to me. Maybe, it's, maybe this is only going to be for me. But we have, we've got to leave the nest of complacency and comfort of where we've been and allow God to grow us up into who we are destined to be. Where you are, where I am right now is not our final destination. That's a word of hope for somebody. Where you're at right now is not your final destination. Where you're at looks hopeless. Where you're at looks so bleak. Where you're at is so lonely. Where you're at is so dark. But baby, don't you give up because God's taking you somewhere that you can't even see it. And in the lonely hours of the night, the enemy, the chatter from the enemy, the accuser of the brethren, he will come at you in ways that you've never known because he knows that if you and I will ever leave the nest, there's no telling what God will do with us as individuals, and there's no telling what will happen with ARC in this Carson Valley. There are things that we have bumped up against year after year after year. Spiritual things, things that have kept us back individually and collectively. But if you and I could grasp the revelation that if we will accept the stirring and allow the mirror to be placed in our face and say, this right here is what you need to work on. And if you'll fix this, I'll bring all the promises and prophecies to pass over your life and over this church. Just as the eaglet has to grow into the powerful, majestic bird by facing the cold, harsh reality that if he doesn't learn to fly and if he doesn't learn to soar, Brother Johnson, he will die. There is something to be learned by us, you and I, in that while we may be comfortable, we just might die in our comfort if we refuse to accept the challenges and change that comes to our life. While we might be comfortable if we don't accept the stirring that God sends, it could mean the detriment of our babies. It could mean the death of our marriages. If we ignore and avoid and bypass, we talked about the steps of a good man, but if we ignore and bypass the stirring somewhere, some way, Brother Brian, God will bring us back to that place, and we're going to have to either ignore it again or we'll have to embrace it, say, God, I don't want to lose my babies. I don't want to lose my marriage. I don't want to lose my calling and anointing. So, God, you do whatever it is you have to do in me because your purpose is greater than my, my, my plan. The great apostle Paul teaches us this concept of growing up in 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. In a chapter where the atmosphere is all about love, 
the Apostle Paul throws in a verse seemingly out of nowhere and out of place about spiritual maturity and putting away childish things. There will always be maturity and growth in an atmosphere of love. Pastor Hood has been preaching and teaching to us about atmosphere. There will never be maturity and growth in an atmosphere of hate, jealousy, jockeying for position, competition. There cannot be growth. That's what children do. But growth and maturity comes in an atmosphere of, you're my brother, you're my sister. I need you to survive. I can't make it without you. Together, we're going to win this thing. Love causes us to put aside selfish and childish feelings for the big picture. You and I aren't the big picture. I know if you look on our Instagrams, we look like the big picture. I look like the big picture anyway. But you and I aren't the big picture. Somebody said it this way, if there's not a cause greater than you, it's not a cause worth fighting for. If it's all about you, if it's all about I, if it's all about me, we're literally wasting our time. Because he said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. And when you and I got saved, Brother Bryant, he saved us so you and I could be a witness. And we could use our stirring. And we could use our struggle. And we could use our situation as a testimony that if God can do it for me, God can do it for you. It is not God's design or God's will for us to be where we are right now, this time next year. In fact, we won't even put it out that far. We'll put it out next month. If we are stuck in life, it's not God's fault. I know that goes against the way we think. It goes against our, our society. If we're stuck in life, it's not the church's fault. If we're stuck in life, it's not your parents' fault. See, this right here is why some never grow. They're always pointing a finger at someone else for where they're at and for what they have not attained. That's what a child does. A child will find any excuse to blame, and it's a child that will blame and create an excuse for what they did, for where they are, and for how they got there. My mom's got a picture of my brother. He was probably two years old, and he's in the bathroom, and he's got for me to use Sister Johnson toilet paper pulled out all over the bathroom. It's, and he's got the look of, oh, God, I've been caught. And no doubt he probably blamed it on me because that's what younger brothers do. They blame, right? <laughs> Older brother always gets the brunt of it. But it's a child, and it's immature thinking that will always create an excuse and point a finger. For where we are. In Ephesians 4, Paul says that we henceforth be no more children. In the same chapter, Paul tells us that we may grow up into him in some things. Uh, he said that we may grow up into him in all things. Do you realize it is possible for us to be grown up and mature in many areas, in most areas. But if there's one area where we're still a child, either in our thinking, our emotions, or our expectations, 
that one area of immaturity will keep us from our purpose and calling. One area, Brother Johnson, of immature thinking, feeling, emotions, uh, expectations. A child always wants more. Gimme, gimme, gimme. You can't have that mentality and be growing at the same time. But one area, Brother Jay, can keep us from fulfilling our purpose and our calling. With growing up and with maturity comes responsibility. It's a word that our generation literally despises and hates. You can go, you, uh, in, the, in the industry that I'm in, selling equipment, one of the greatest complaints that I hear literally every week is, Brother Bobo, they cannot find good, responsible help in the construction industry. And I'm sure that, 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 that takes the whole spectrum. They cannot find reliable, Brother Jay, dependable, responsible help. And so their companies are suffering because of it. And the, and the kid who does show up, who just got out of college, wants 29 an hour to run a piece of equipment that he's never ran, when the guy that's been doing it for 30 years is getting paid 18 an hour. It, it just doesn't make sense, but it's the immature way of thinking that literally has consumed our culture that you and I we must it is it, we must we and not maybe we must break that cycle of thinking or we will next year be right where we are with growing up and maturity comes responsibility and if God or if the pastor doesn't see that we have left the nest and we're still relying on others for food, warmth, protection, security, transportation, money, clothes. We still can't bring something to the table. But we're always having our hand out, Brother Diaz, for a freebie. We have yet, the child hasn't left the building yet. We have yet to put away childish things, childish ways childish thinking, childish understanding. And it will be the very thing that keeps us from soaring at the heights God has destined us to soar. A taker is known as being immature. A taker is looked at as a child. But a giver demands the respect of a mature grown-up. A child's mentality is give me, give me, give me. But a giver is looking for an opportunity to fill a need. I'm going to say that again. A child's mentality is give me. But a giver is looking for an opportunity to fill a need. It may not be the big bright lights that I have in my mind that I want to fulfill. But pastor, whatever it is you need, I'm willing to do it because I know there's a picture that's greater than me. I know there's a vision. There's a destiny. There's a revival that isn't about my emotions. There's a revival that isn't about my feelings, but it's about me giving of myself to the purpose that God has called me to. If you and I could see the things that would come to us if we would put away childish things, it would literally blow our minds. 
You don't hand a five-year-old the keys to your $70,000 truck and say, go have fun. You might give him the key to a little electric power wheel, but you would never give a little five-year-old. I, I would never put my five-year-old nephew and hand him the keys to a Mack truck. He's going to destroy something. And when you and I aren't matured enough to handle a Mack truck, God can't give us the thing that he's destined us to do because we haven't grown up enough to handle it. What the baby eaglet doesn't understand is that mama isn't stirring the nest to hurt or to kill, but the stirring comes to help grow and mature and to lead the baby eaglet to its full potential. I just sounded like a Texas the baby. Hope your brother's not listening. He'll make fun of me. Lead the baby, let me sound like California, the baby eaglet to his full potential. God is stirring us up so that the child in you and I can leave and maturity can replace immaturity. And growth will replace complacency. Don't despise the stirring. Don't despise God doing something that he's never done in your life before because you're afraid of it, because you think it's come to kill you. You think it's come to destroy you. Brother Barber, the stirring has come to cause us to grow up into all things. May we ever be learning and growing in the knowledge. Come on, ARC. God's not stirring us up to harm us, to kill us, to destroy us, to leave us by the roadside, but God's stirring us up so that we can fill up, we can grow up, and we can blow this valley with revival. Stand with me all over the house and lift your hands. God, whatever you're doing in my life, I want to embrace the stirring. God, whatever you're trying to fulfill in me, God, whatever you're trying to grow in me, I want to embrace the challenge. I want to embrace the stirring. Cause me to see what you see. Come on, the Holy Ghost is doing a work here. Come on, God's stirring. As an eagle fluttereth over her nest, there's a stirring. There's a wrestling match. God, I don't want to do this. God, I'm comfortable where I'm at. I'm comfortable thinking like a little baby. I want somebody to feed me. I want somebody to change me. I don't want to bring anything. But God, you do whatever you're trying to do in me. I believe it would be in order and it would be right, and don't do it if you don't feel it. But I believe that it would mean the world to Pastor Hood if when he gets home, he's flooded with, Pastor, whatever I can do. I don't need a pat on the back. I don't need a microphone or a pulpit. Whatever you need me to do, I want to do it. Pastor, wherever you see God trying to grow me, Brother Gabriel, I want to grow there. I want you, God put him on the wall to see things that you and I can't see. See, Mama Eaglet understands the baby's potential when the baby doesn't understand it. God gives our pastor, he gives us pastors according to his own heart. But God also gives our pastor insight to things that you and I are possibly, Brother Bobo, ignoring, not facing, we're avoiding because it's painful, it hurts, 
But those very things might be the one thing that are keeping us from becoming all God wants us to become. God bless you. Why don't you greet hands, shake hands. Let's turn this place into a house of prayer. And what do you say we hit this next service and explosive apostolic revival like ARC knows how to do? God bless you.